Brown, Global Health Editor at ADC. It's a pleasure to introduce Julia Downing, who's the Director of Education Research for the International Children's Palliative Care Network, and also Chair in Palliative Care at the Makeri University in Kampala, Uganda. Julia and colleagues in the Palliative Network recently written a piece on palliative care in low and middle income countries. It's part review, part opinion piece, and it made fascinating reading. Julia, welcome. Thank you. I just wonder whether you could first, for those for the uninitiated, talk about the global burden of children receiving palliative care, those who have uncurable disease, but not necessarily untreatable. Yes, uh, well, um, around the world, there are many children that need access to palliative care. A recent study that's been done through the International Children's Palliative Care Network in conjunction with colleagues suggests that there's about 21 million children around the world who would benefit from access to palliative care today. We know that access for many is limited. Often people think of palliative care being for children with cancer and maybe with HIV. But I think it's important for us to remember that palliative care Uh, can be provided for children with a wide range of conditions and it's not just cancer and HIV. So in many parts of the world some of the conditions that might be treated or well managed in high income countries can't be managed due to limited resources. So we're providing palliative care for children with obviously cancer and HIV but also with cardiovascular diseases, organ failure, uh, liver failure, heart failure, some of the congenital abnormalities that children experience, some of the neurological disorders. And of course, there is a, a great need for children's palliative care for in the neonatal period. So the global burden of disease is high. And uh, particularly in the area where um, I've been based in sub-Saharan Africa, there are many, many children that need palliative care. And that's partly due to the high numbers of children with HIV. And what, what are the central tenets of care. The WHO has some guidance, if you like, on the approach. Could you just outline that? Well, the WHO talks about children's palliative care as being the active total care of the child's body, mind and spirit and involves giving support to the family. It talks about providing care right from diagnosis and continues on through the care of that child regardless of whether they're having access to curative treatment. So for example if you have got a child with cancer you might be providing palliative care alongside them receiving chemotherapy. And I think it's important to remember that palliative care ideally should be provided across the whole continuum of care from diagnosis or even before diagnosis. Certainly where I work, often children don't actually get a definitive diagnosis. But it's important to be provided from diagnosis right through to the time that the child dies and to provide bereavement support. One of the challenges we often have is people think of palliative care as just the end of life care. And so often palliative care professionals are only referred to children at the very last minute and yet we could make a difference earlier on in their illness. And I think a couple of other of the key components from the WHO are that it's about the total care. So it's not just about physical, but we're talking about psychological issues, social issues and spiritual issues. 
and the importance of a multidisciplinary team approach to provide care for that child and remembering that that child is within the family context. And so we need to be supporting the family, working within the community and also ensuring that the care is available in the most appropriate place, whether that is at home where the child lives with their family or whether it's in hospital or in an inpatient unit. So it needs to be adaptable to the setting and the situation where that child is. And obviously it needs to be appropriate for the culture as well. What then are the barriers to implementation? Is it drug availability? Is it transport? Is it cost to parents? That that will obviously be health system specific. But say in sub-Saharan Africa, what, what are the problems you've had to overcome? I think that there are many challenges. Firstly, I think there is a lack of understanding of what palliative care is and a lack of um, understanding of the benefits of palliative care for children and their family. And that is often due to um, a lack of education. So many healthcare professionals have not had any training or education in palliative care. So it's very important that we try and get palliative care education into undergraduate training programmes, into the nurses, the social workers training. Um, And one of the challenges with training is that there is also a lack of people to do the training in many countries where there are no health professionals who are specialists in that area who's going to provide the training. So training is an issue. Access to medications, which you mentioned, um, one of the challenges for palliative care around the world and not just for children's palliative care is the access to essential medicines. And particularly some of the strong analgesics such as morphine, um, which we use regularly, which is very much controlled. And in in many countries, you cannot access these strong um, analgesics. And so one of the things that we've got to be doing is working with the governments, working with the regulatory bodies to ensure access to medications so that we can manage children's pain and other symptoms. A lack of policy, you know, in many countries, Uh, If palliative care is not in the national policy, then it's not going to be a priority for that government. And so trying to ensure that palliative care and specifically children's palliative care is identified in the policies of the government so that then when we're talking to the government, we can say it's in your policy. How are you going to make sure that that is implemented? How can we support you? A lack of integration into the health service. And as, as you said, every country has a different health system. And so we need to be working with different countries to make sure that palliative care is integrated into their health systems. And I guess going back to the education and access to medications, there is for some people still a fear of using these strong analgesics such as oral morphine. And we find that there is a a reluctance and a fear to use it in adults. And that's usually um, accentuated when we come to children. So many different issues there that are impacting on the provision of children's palliative care. Yes, and you described that really nicely in the article as well. You alluded to uh, three examples in the paper of systems which have worked well, one in Malawi, one in Belarusia, and one in Indonesia. I wonder whether you could briefly describe each of those, which are all interesting in their own way. Okay, well, if we start in Malawi, which is a country in sub-Saharan Africa, we talked in the paper about Umodzi, which is a children's palliative care programme based at Queen Elizabeth Central Hospital, which is in Blantyre in Malawi. It's a very interesting programme. It's integrated into, into the hospital, the Queen Elizabeth Central Hospital, and it's part of the palliative care support trust. So within the hospital, they have a, an integrated programme for palliative care for adults, but also 
for children. And this program started in 2001, and it's been developing and getting from strength to strength. So approximately they see around 500 children each year, about 30 to 40 new patients each month. So it's quite a busy program based in this big hospital, providing uh, services for the children and their family, but also trying to reach out to children and their families when they are discharged. So if they're within a 60 kilometre radius, then they're able to go and support them. So that's a very interesting programme integrated into the national system. A different type of programme that we talk about is Rachel House, which is in Indonesia, in Jakarta. And it began as an inpatient unit, but they realised actually that children in that region, in that area, preferred to be cared for at home. So it has been refocused and is now providing home-based care, mainly for children with HIV and cancer. They have a very strong network of care providers, of volunteer workers, and they're really providing an innovative programme in that area to reach the children with palliative care needs. And importantly, care is coordinated by nurses. So the nurses at Rachel House coordinate the care, but they work very much with all of the other care providers. So it really is an example of where working together with all the different organisations, then we can provide good quality palliative care. And then another completely different programme is in Belarus, the Belarusian Children's Hospice, which was established in 1994. Um, And that really came into being due to the Chernobyl nuclear incident. And again, they have used advocacy, education, mentorship. They've got a very good clinical service. Whilst they have a small inpatient service, their key service is, again, providing care at the home implemented by doctors, nurses um, and carers. And they have a very interesting programme as well, which is about psychological care and social care for children and young adults. They have about 250 children at any one time, but that is less than about 15% of those who are thought to need uh, palliative care in that area. So again, another example, they've worked very closely with the government and with the Postgraduate Medical Academy, um, with the UN Committee on the Rights of the Child, and very much working with the government to develop and influence children's palliative care within the country. Thank you. I mean, there are three excellent examples of very innovative systems. How do you see the future, Julia? And If there were one intervention you could choose above all others in terms of moving things forward in areas where the system isn't advanced, as the three examples you've mentioned, what would that be? And where do you see palliative care and LMICs in five, maybe ten years' time? Okay, I think the future is is looking better for children's palliative care. In 2014, the World Health Assembly passed a resolution on palliative care generally. The resolution was on strengthening palliative care as a component of integrated treatment throughout the life course. But that means that palliative care is now on the agenda of member states of the World Health Assembly, so of the majority of governments, and they are having to report on what they're doing. And so what we're finding now is that many people in different countries, different governments, NGOs, are asking for support to develop palliative care and specifically children's palliative care. I think one of the key areas is education. If you're asking me for one specific area, 
is that we need to train health professionals, social care professionals on palliative care so that they have an understanding of what palliative care is because without that they can't understand the need and they can't understand what palliative care can do for children and their families. So for me education is is very key but also sharing examples of these different programs, sharing ways that we can set up services and not replicate services in different countries because that doesn't work, but taking the key messages, the key learning points from those services and sharing those uh, so that people needn't make the same mistakes again and, and can learn from each other so that we can improve accessibility to children's palliative care. Thank you very much, Julia. That was a compelling piece and been a compelling interview today. Thank you so much for joining us and I hope this paper will be a spur to people to think about the issues and help you move things forward. Thank you again. Thank you.